It's probably the hardest part to teach, and it's probably the hardest part to study. That's because uh, the prophecies are written against the background of the uh, prophet in his uh, time, in his culture, using some uh, rather poetic uh, expressions. And uh, so you have all kinds of difficulties that you have uh, to uh, wrestle with. Uh, one of the more difficult ones is the relationship of the Old Testament and the New Testament. How do they relate to one another? And uh, we had in our meeting recently people who said, well, I'm a post-millennialist or I'm a amillennialist or I'm a pre-trib or, or that. All of those uh, things, unfortunately, are very divisive. So I'm not going to try to tell you where I am. Uh, I got a training at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. They're premillennial, uh, pre-tribulational, dispensational. And I can say uh, at this point I'm probably all of those, except I'm not the same kind of dispensationalist that uh, some of my uh, colleagues at the seminary are. I believe that the church is the new Israel. Uh, they don't think that uh, in any way, shape, or form. And uh, I can't uh, uh, get away from Ephesians 2 and 1 Peter 2 and some other passages that make it uh, difficult not to see that the church is called Israel and uh, that it has some of the uh, uh, benefits uh uh, that Israel has. Uh, prophecy, uh, as it's uh, often thought of, is uh, uh, basically eschatological. I had a friend who taught in Bethel Seminary, taught in Bethel Seminary, uh, San Diego, and he, uh, he had some students come into one of his uh, classes, uh, they were meeting from a Bible college, and he says, uh, is this the course in estacology? Estacology? No, this is not the course in eschatology. Last things. People are interested in the last things. They're not really interested in prophecy as the Old Testament presents it, because the Old Testament presents prophecy from the standpoint of the prophet's future. And predominantly, that was a, a near future, not a far future. Uh, the prophecy has to be understood uh, against the background of the covenant of uh, Moses that was made with Israel uh, in the uh, desert, reissued, I guess, is the best way to Talk, uh, talk about it in the book of Deuteronomy uh, on the plains of uh, Moab. And so we're going to look at it from that standpoint. Uh, I'm going to just do some things here that are going to go very fast because uh, I promised Paul that I would get to him very quickly. So let's look at the uh, Okay, the covenant uh, follows the ancient Near Eastern covenant forms that the uh, Hittite kings originally 
made with uh, their uh, sub-kings. It has a uh, preamble. It identifies the parties. It has a prologue that talks about the history of the relationship of God bringing Israel out of uh, Egypt, bringing them through the uh, desert, helping them to overcome their enemies. It has stipulations, the laws, which are the conditions to be followed. It calls on the heavens and the earth to witness Israel's fidelity to that covenant. And it has sanctions, blessings and uh, curses. Uh, The blessings generally fall into six general groups, life, health, prosperity, agricultural abundance, respect, security. The curses generally follow in ten. Defeats, pardon me, death, disease, drought, birth, destitution, danger, destruction, defeat, deportation, and uh, disgrace. So, let's look at the basis of the covenant. The covenant, the uh, prophets were uh, in Doug Stewart's terms, they were covenant mediator enforcers. They were calling on Israel to be faithful to the covenant. If you're faithful to the covenant, you'll get these blessings. If you're unfaithful to the covenant, you'll get these curses. All right, so uh, here's an example of a call of a prophet. This is Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So he tries to get out of that. Doesn't do a good job. Don't say you're too young. Don't say you're too uh, uh, ignorant. This is what you are to do. I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations, over kingdoms, to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, and to overthrow, to build, and to plant. Then he gives them uh, some visions. I don't think Paul ever got to this passage, but uh, does God ever change his mind? Huh? <laughs> All right. Here, here's, here's the function of a prophet. The word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter has done? The potter was making a, uh, a pot. The pottery didn't come out quite the right way. So he crushed it, reshaped it, and that's the basis of this. Uh, Jeremiah's got two or three of these acted out uh, visionary prophecies. Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, if that nation, I warn, repents of its evil, then I will relent. I will repent, is the word. I will repent. I will relent. And not inflict... No. 
same Hebrew word, and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. See, he planned that disaster. That's his will. If at another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my side and does not obey me, then I will reconsider. Same word, by the way. I will reconsider. Same Hebrew word. Nahamti. Believe me. I will reconsider the good I had t- intended to do for it. See, The basis for God's action is the response of the person. See, he announces judgment, and if the person relents, then God doesn't judge him. Is it Ezekiel 33? Uh, I think it's Ezekiel 33. We were talking about this passage. Read that passage again. Same thing. That's what he's saying. Yes, but he does do it. See? Well, what he's, what he, yeah, but he's laying out what happens. It's based on your response. But he does not program your response. See, he does not force you to make that response. See, this is where you get into these theological discussions. See, really, the theological discussions. Does is belief a gift of God or is belief the means by which you accept the salvation that God has provided if both see belief is not something that God forces you to do he draws you he makes you able he puts it in front of you. He makes everything look goody-goody, but he does not force you to believe. That's your job. Yes. And after he disciplines you, what do you do? You repent. Does he force you to repent? No, he doesn't do anything to force you to repent. The Holy Spirit comes before or after? Hmm? Yes. Yes, but he's wooing you, but he's not forcing you to repent. Okay. This is Amos's call. Well, let's don't spend time there. Okay, after you've had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land for a long time... If you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God, I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which you cannot see or hear or eat or smell. I mean, which they cannot, I mean, see. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you seek, see. Uh, You will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. 
when you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in latter days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. Okay, these other passages that I have here, Deuteronomy 30, well, maybe we ought to go ahead and look at just that one. See, I step before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you, this day that you will certainly be destroyed, you will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to, uh, to enter. This day I call to you, uh, uh, call heavens and earth and to witness against you that I have set before you life uh, death, and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may uh, live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to uh, his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord your God is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore you to give to your fathers Abraham and Isaac the passage goes on to talk about the fact that if you turn to him God will give you a new heart and a new spirit all right he'll change your mind in terms of giving you a heart that can be obedient to him but you can go through a couple of iterations of that. See, if you turn away again, what's happening? See, Ezekiel says the same thing. All right, blessings, curses. It's interesting, by the way. If you look at the passages in Leviticus, uh, he, he goes through uh, this thing and it says seven times. And... Uh, uh, He's going to make it seven times harder. And then he's going to make it seven times harder than that. And then he's going to make it seven times harder than that. And then he's going to make it seven times harder than that. And then he's going to make it seven times harder than that. These passages get filled with this, this formulaic reputation, I've got, uh, repetition. I've got several passages like, like that. Uh, Jeremiah said, he said, I sent the prophets to you, rising early and sending. I sent the prophets to you, rising early and sending. I sent the prophets to you, rising early and sending. I sent the prophets to you, rising early and sending. But, see, God is patient. God is long-suffering. He doesn't zap you first. My uh, daughter says my granddaughter is a little bit too strict with one of her daughters. See, that's not the way she was brought up. God is not strict in terms of you get out of step one time. He's not going to go. See, he's long-suffering and not willing that any should perish. So he puts up with a, an awful lot before he finally decides to do it. But when he does it, he does it. Okay, there's an uh, opportunity 
this is the passage uh, that I wanted to look at. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, take them to heart. And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to the Lord, everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes, have compassion on you, gather you again, even if you've been banished to the, be- uh, to the worst part. He'll bring you to the land. He will make you more prosperous. The Lord will circumcise your hearts so that you may love him. The Lord will put all these curses. You will again obey the Lord your God. The Lord will make you more prosperous in the land. See, the, the Lord is waiting for us to repent. He wants us to be willing servants of His. He doesn't want to drag us through the door. He wants us to be willing servants of His. All right, I think I've probably taken my time. Have I not, Paul? I told you to shoot me. Okay, well, that's okay. <laughs> we can uh, we can do this, and if you want to use having too much fun, <laughs> having, having too much fun huh? Okay, if you want to use this, uh, you you may do so. Paul is going to take you through these uh, forms of uh, prophetic uh, speech. Look at your your handout here, and we're going to be going through um, letter F basic genres and structures. And, and the first um, one is judge, judgment, judgment speech. And notice that the basic form has a call to attention and identification of, of the recipients. And then part two is the Lord has a case. And three, evidence of guilt or statement of charges. And then announcement of the, of the judgment Let's look at, um, there's an example there, but Hosea chapter, chapter 4 and verses, verses, verses 1 to 3. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish and also the beasts of the fields and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are are taken away. So the call to attention is would be like in 1A Hear the word of the Lord, O children of children of Israel. Um, God is calling the people's people's attention, and then the the case would be one B for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, um, and now the the evidence of that is one C through verse two. Um, there's no faithfulness, there's no steadfast love, there's no knowledge of God in the land, 
And then he lists basically there's a breaking of the, of the Ten Commandments. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. And then the the judgment. Um, Therefore, the the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And uh, the birds, the beasts of the fields, and the birds of heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. So even nature is going to be affected by the by the judgment of God. Okay. So and let's turn now to Amos chapter four. Amos is just a a couple books over. I'll read these these verses here. Hear the word of the Lord, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, Bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that behold, the days are coming upon you when they will take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks, and you shall go out through the breaches, each one straight ahead, and you shall be cast out into Harmon, declares the Lord. This, um, and then let's go on. Uh, Come to Bethel and transgress, to Gilgal and multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sac- sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leaven, and proclaim free will offerings. Publish them. For so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord Lord God. Notice that last phrase there. Um, That gives you a hint of what kind of of, um, uh, character. And then six, I give you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you when there was yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain, and the field in which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with blithe and mildew, your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locusts devoured, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I sent among you a pestilence after manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with a sword and carried away your horses. And I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will do this to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what is his thought, who made the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Okay, so what is the call of attention? Okay, Uh, yeah. Hear, hear the word of the Lord, and, and the recipients are you cows of Bashan. Now, is he speaking literally of, of cows here? Exactly. Um, 
Bashan was a rich pasture land northeast of the Sea, the sea of Galilee. And so it was a rich pasture and, and the cows grew big and were happy and, and contented. So, um, like we said, he's comparing the women of Israel to, to the cows. What is the, um, the evidence of, of their guilt? Okay, um, that's true, but also, but before that, right up in verse verse one here, one one C, who oppressed the poor and crushed the needy. That's right. And then notice um, verses four and five here. What is he telling these people? What is he accusing them of here in verse verses four and five? I think that's more the case, a false worship. It's an outward worship of God, but not a true inward worship of God. Notice in verses 6, six through 11, here are more evidences of, of their guilt. He tells how he's brought judgment upon them, and then he says, yet you did not return to me. More judgment, yet you did not return to me. And then, you know, in verse um, verse 10, yet you did not return to me. Verse 11, yet you did not return to me. And now, what are verses 12 and, and 13? More, more judgment, the announcement of, of judgment. You can see how kind of knowing the basic forms kind of gives you a little bit of structure to hang your... Um, Interpretation and better able to better able to interpret it. Now let's look at another form of prophetic literature, and this is the call to repentance. And notice there that it's two parts: a call to repent, turn, return to the Lord, and then the motivation will either be a promise of blessing or a threat of a curse or um, punishment. And let's look. At Amos chapter 5, so you don't have to turn very far, verses, verses 4 to 9. And I, I will read those for us. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to, Be- to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall, shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like a fire in the house of Joseph, and it devour with none to quench it. Or Bethel, O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth, he who made Pallades and Orion and turned deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name who made destruction flash forth against the strong so that destruction comes upon the, the fortress. So, where is the call for repentance? Okay. Mine has seek the Lord and live. Mm-hmm. Seek the Lord and live. And what is the motivation? I, I'm sorry? Uh, no, it's um, punishment. Yeah, so I guess here there is both the the positive and uh, positive and the negative. 
if you repent, you will live. If you don't, then judgment is going to be coming. Like there will be, be a fire in Wormwood. And what about, how do eight and nine enter into, into this? Right. The one, who, the one who created the earth and the, and the heavens, and, and if he promises that there's going to be judgment, you know, he will be able to bring forth, bring forth the judgment. Okay, let's go back to um, Hosea and look at another um, example. Let's see what our time is. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Hosea chapter 14. Let me read the chapter here. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, Take away all iniquity. Accept what is good, and we will pay with, with bulls the vows of our, our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily. He will take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their famine shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressions stumble in them. So where is our call to repentance? Verse 1. Yes. Return, O Israel. And then also in verse verse 2, return to the Lord. Okay. And notice how he even gives a, a prayer, a, a sample prayer to the Lord. He says, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. And then they confess that Assyria won't be able to, be able to save them. And then what is the, what is the motivation for if, if they repent? Now, I will heal their apostasy. I will love. I will love them free, freely. Prosper. Okay. Let's look now at the um, form called a promise of salvation, and we'll look at at Jeremiah chapter thirty-one. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and read the first the first nine verses here. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go further in the dance of the merrymakers. 
Again you shall plant vineyards or on the mountains of, of Samaria. The planters shall plant and enjoy the fruit. For there will be a day when watchmen will call in the hill countries of Ephraim. Arise and let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the furthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor together, a great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a path, straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. This promise of salvation has two parts, an announcement of, of survival or deliverance, and then a, a description of, of the deliverance. So where is the announcement of deliverance? Verse 1. Yeah, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel and they shall be my people. And how does he describe this this deliverance? Rest and blessings. Yes. So there's music and there's um, vineyards. So just in a very picturesque way describes all, all the blessings of how God will save his people. Okay, and let's go to one other form. Okay, the um, last form we want to look at is salvation portrayal. And um, this isn't on your notes, but there's two parts to it. There's a reference to the future and then a description of radical radical change, and um, portrayal. Portrayal. In other words, rather than doing it in a prose form, there's there's a picture, there, there's an image that he's going to present. Uh, let's look at Isaiah chapter 11. You probably have heard this passage quoted before, starting at um, 11. Verses six through six through ten, the wolf shall, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's, adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall all the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So we see here that there is going to be... Um, a reference to the future, and that is in, in the tenth verse, in that day, you know, a future day that's coming. And then in verses six to eight, there's a, a description of, of all of nature at, at peace. And then in verse nine, there's the universal knowledge of the Lord. And then in ten, all the peoples 
And all the nations shall inquire and the resting place shall be glorious. All the, the nations and people shall seek the Lord. Um, it goes on in, in the rest of the chapter, but we won't go there. Let's, let's turn now to end of um, Isaiah 65. Okay, Isaiah 65, verses 17 to 25. I won't read all this, but I'll, I'll just read a few verses here. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people and then um, I'll, I'll just skip down to 25. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And thus shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy temple, says the Lord. So there's a future time. Um, verse 17, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And um, he describes this as um, there, there, there will be joy. In verse 18, 19, there will be re, um, rejoicing. There will be no, no weeping, no sorrow. Long life in verses 20 to 22. No longer will be infant who lives but a few days. A young man should die at 100, so there's a long life. Basically, you, you think of it as almost as reversal of the curses that God placed upon man at, at the fall in Genesis chapter 3. So, you know, we see here a picture of what the end time will, will be like. One of great joy, happiness, none of the curse that we have in our, in our world today. Okay, I think that just about, just about does it.